This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am here with Wendy Stone, and we are doing what is going to ultimately be episode three of My Dieting Life. And what we do, just as a quick synopsis for people who aren't familiar with this yet, we walk through someone that has, you know, had a life, and they've dieted in that life, and we walk through the good and bad of that, right? Like, part of the idea is not to just, like, rag on dieting the whole time, because there's some things that we've all picked up along the way. And so in this conversation, we're going to be talking to Wendy Stone, and Wendy's going to run through her scenario a little bit. She is actually a new member, which I really like, uh, you know, because what happened especially in episode one, is people, you know, often go to how Eat to Perform has helped them. And for you, right, you've kind of started to come to this little realization. And so why don't you walk me through, Wendy? Uh, first of all, you, you feel, feel um, you, you can go ahead and say hi to everyone. I know. <laughs> hi, everyone. Glad to be here. And so why don't we start with basically your family history before you were born what did your mother look like what did your father look like what did your grandparents look like and i i always think that that's important to establish the baseline of you know what genetically we're talking about right um so my mom i know when she got married to my father um she wore a size 12 wedding dress um i would say that she had a very normal frame. I don't think she was, her pictures are absolutely stunning. She's beautiful. Um, uh, my father grew up being that um, kind of heavier. Um, he joked about, he remembers, you know, when he was 10, 12, he would go to, um, uh, there was a restaurant here uh, in Connecticut, Massachusetts area called uh, Abdel's Big Boy. And he would go get a bag of hamburgers and sit down and eat a bag of hamburgers by himself. So he was a pretty big dude. He was about six feet. I don't really know exactly, um, you know, what he weighed, but probably hovering around 200 pounds, I would guess. Um, his parents are the ones that I've kind of realized I think I take after more. Um, my dad's dad was six two. Um, I don't think anybody would ever look at him and be like, oh, he's a fat guy. That's certainly not how he was built, but he was a big guy, wide shoulders, um, strong, healthy, had been in the army, all that good stuff. Um, he married my grandmother, Marjorie, who um, was also a very uh, sturdy woman. Uh, again, nobody would look at her and say, oh, she's fat or she's heavy or she's overweight. She just was kind of barrel chested. Um, again, strong. She was known for having very, very pretty legs, um, muscular, long legs, um, just really healthy looking. And then she, uh, she and my grandfather had another son other than my father. His name was Michael and he was six, four and really big. I mean, really big. I'm, I can't even think of who he would look like, but, um, almost like a linebacker on a football team, kind of a guy, but maybe not quite so heavy, just built that way. My mom is Irish Catholic. She comes from kind of just medium-sized people, um, not a lot of muscle, not a lot of frame on them. Um, so, again, I'm, I'm realizing now that I'm in my 40s that I 
really do take after more uh, my dad's side of the family. Yeah, so talk to me a little bit about that because you brought up some interesting points related to, I believe it was your dad, um, and just so so everyone knows, Wendy made a post in the private group and put a picture of her and her husband, and in that she described a few things, and so we're going to walk through a little bit or pick apart that a little bit and have you explain it. And the reason why I think some of these things are important is because it colors who we are as people, right? And it changes, you know, how we think of things. And I think that you mentioned that your father sort of worked against type, right? And Mm -hmm. has stayed relatively small. Tell me that story real quick. Yeah, so from what I understand, after my mother and father got married, this was um, 1969, and it was uh, right around the time that the Vietnam War was either, you know, just starting. And my dad, um, he joined he joined the service. And he had to go down south. Again, we're up um, northeast in Connecticut. Uh, I'm, I'm in Connecticut, right on the Massachusetts border. And both my parents grew up in Massachusetts and Springfield. And um, so he went down south, I think one of the Carolinas, to, to train for boot camp, basically. And it was like this light bulb went off to him for him that he ate like a horse he said like he ate a ton but because they're up and they are training all day something he had never really done he hadn't been athletic he hadn't been you know someone who was a runner or anything like that and all of a sudden he put all this exercise on his body the first time my mother went down to visit him I don't know exactly how many weeks that had been but not a lot maybe a month into it a couple weeks into it he was holding his pants up with rope because the belt literally wouldn't fit anymore. That's how much weight he had lost doing all this exercise while he was down there. So he got very enamored with the idea of dieting and a lot of cardio, a lot of, a lot of cardio. It was never so can we, can we just, emphasis. can we just pause just yeah. there for just a second? Sure. Because, you know, I, I, I think I know where you're going to go with it. I think it's going to be very interesting to people. But there's another part to why he leaned out, right? I mean, when you're doing boot camp, what are they going to have you doing? They're going to have you doing pull-ups and push-ups and all this other kind of stuff that if you've never done it before, you're going to be able to um, put on a lot of lean mass really quickly. And so some of the things that he saw as a positive in terms of leaning out and kind of looking... You know, I mean, I'm sure he was just like everybody else. You know, you want to look good naked, you know. And what I think ends up happening for people, and and I was a a victim of this myself, right? I started chasing, you know, body fat. And, you know, the down, down, down became relatively attractive, uh, you know, to me mentally. And certainly I did... um, you know, get an aesthetic that some people would have found appealing with my clothes off, but with my clothes on, I just looked small, right? Mm. And, and so that was the only thing I wanted to interject to your dad's story, because I think a lot of people will look at it and go, yeah, her dad lost a lot of weight, did a lot of cardio, started to, to, to eat less. I don't know that in the army, a lot of people are eating less. 
right? Like typically. No, yeah, no, he said he ate a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah, and and that's that's you know we're, we're actually doing some development on the back end right now, where we're working on some graphs and some visuals on um, you know calorie average um, and getting calorie average up and and kind of really focusing people on why that's important. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, when they first start off, they kind of have this mantra of do more, eat less. When mm -hmm. you think about it, like that doesn't even make, you know, sense. You know, you're eventually going to hit a wall. So, you know, you, you know, being able to, you know, be in a moment like that. I mean, he never trained like that. He started to see changes and was like, hell yeah, man, I'm looking great. You know, let's let's yeah. take this to the next level. And when you take it to the next level and you start under eating to get, you know, because that's what happens for most people. Right. What happens right. for most yeah. people is they get to a place where they're at a decent body fat percentage and then that's where everything starts to get a little screwed up. And we'll hear about that, I think, a little bit in your story, but. So keep going with your your dad, and now he he's starting to feel himself a little bit, and, and where does he go from there? So I think I think to your point, I think while he was while he was still in boot camp and doing all this training, he was eating a lot. He, you know, his body was just reacting to the stimulus of all this exercise that he had never included in his life before. Um, but unfortunately, as many of us know, myself, poor darn sure when he came back, so, so he came back, he never had to go actually into, into Vietnam or anything. He, he came back and, um, back home to Massachusetts. And again, being enamored with kind of like this new look he had, he was, he was, he really wanted to stay there. And I, and I completely understand that, um, from the first time that I lost weight, it's, it's a panicky feeling when you, when you all of a sudden a couple pounds start coming back on. And so you go, okay, well, I'm used to running whatever, as an example, three miles a day, all up that to four miles a day. And that works for a little while, right? And then when that doesn't work anymore, it's like, oh, well, I'm eating, you know, 1,600 calories. I can eat 1,500 calories. Um, I don't know exactly what, how that all worked out for him because I wasn't even born yet. Yeah. But, yeah. So Well, what's interesting, one of the things that's interesting about what you're talking about, this is when Weight Watchers started. Right. This is just yeah. at the time where the dieting narrative really started to take hold. And, uh, you know, this idea of eating less previous to that, you know, we were really more an agrarian society. There was a lot of farmers or descendants of farmers and people thought of it from the standpoint of, hey, you have eggs, bacon, bunch of grease for breakfast. Um, and that powered people through the day. And, it, you know, we started to get to a point where we started to move to more service, industrial, where people weren't doing near as much. And it's interesting when you start to look at those studies and you really start to make the connection, hey, maybe we don't have a food problem necessarily. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's always some level of food intervention that probably makes some sense. But we are always making the argument that moving and understanding moving now, was your dad, a, a, you know, I don't, I want to get off your dad here real soon here, but um, was your dad a weightlifter at all? I mean, did he ever, you know, really no. focus on muscle building? No, and that's, that's, that's the key piece that, um, 
makes me sad for him now. He just turned 70. Um, he's, he's a great dad. Um, but he's, he's starting to have, you know, some balance problems. Some, some, like he's kind of bent over a little bit. All this kind of, um, if you look at, he has to have, he has to have like the rear ends on his jeans pulled in because there's not glute muscle there. Like he's, he has burned through a lot of muscle over these years. So he got married when he was, um, how old were they? They were 21. So that was the first time, you know, and then I, like I said, he went down to boot camp very quickly after that. This is like almost 50 years yeah. of tons of running, tons of spin class, tons of um, elliptical trainers, tons of, you know, those types of things um, that are going to, you know, get on there for an hour, an hour and a half every single day religiously. Which, um, by the way, you know, just to stop you for just a second, that was also part of my journey. Right. When I first started, you know, there was a fair amount of cardio and we're not anti cardio. But at some point, you have to realize that holding on to muscle and building muscle matters. Right. So, you know, I don't want people to get, you know, oh, my goodness, you know, these guys are always railing. No, we believe in being whole as a human being, but we we want people to understand you know, what the process they're going through. I think if your dad had, 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 you know, had some experience with muscle, the way that, you know, it's it sort of put out there this, these days, he might've been in a little yeah. bit better place. So that's a good yeah. transition. I, not to interrupt you, but, um, that's a good transition to you. Right. Okay. And yep. so talk to me a little bit about, cause I know that you talked, you know, when you were five years old, you would, you had started to notice some things at that point. I'm assuming that like your dad's influence, your mom's influence, you know, were, I'm assuming there was nothing that affected you related to dieting at that point or was there? Yeah, no, I don't remember that. I, I know, I know. Growing up, my mother joined Weight Watchers a bunch of times, um, and would do like some of the, you know, that was when Women's Day magazine would have different soup diets and stuff like that. And she would try all those things. Um, my mom's been much kinder to herself with her weight and body image, honestly, than my dad has, which is very interesting because people say that girls grow up and they get their body image issues from their mother. And I would very much say, in my case, it was totally from my father, like 90% of it. Um, and it's something he did. Like, I don't blame him. You know, he, he, it's, just, it's just how he treated himself, how he viewed people who were heavier. Um, yeah, but up until I was, the first thing I think I, that, uh, that I can remember, and I wrote this in that post, was I went to a department store, and I was with my mother, and I was like five. I was little. You know, it's like one of the first memories I have in this, in this, you know, beehive hairdo lady you know, behind the counter that she was returning these clothes that didn't fit. That's something very derogatory. Like, well, look at her. She's she's very chubby. You know, like very judgmental. And, and I remember feeling like, well, are you talking about me? Like, what do you mean? I don't know what that means. You know. Um, and then over the years, uh, I I was. There was different things, like my grandfather, he would always poke my stomach and say, oh, I'm going to let the air out, and things like that, that I think are kind of meant to not be any real big deal, but when they pile on each other over and over and over, by the time you're 8, 9, 10, 
especially as a girl, I'm sure boys go through it too, but I can only speak from my experience. It's, it's crushing. It's self-esteem crushing. And I would hear my father say, like, he never said going for a run. He would say, I'm going for a jiggle because my fat is going to jiggle while I'm running. I mean, this is the stuff he would say in front of me. So, yeah. Um, can I, I, I just, can I just interrupt? My oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm just going to interrupt for just a second because I do think that, that the male influences um, do influence you. Right. Like you're you're saying that you, you got your body image more from your dad than your mom. But I, I, I'm embarrassed to say this. Right. That when, um, you know, my sister who, you know, ironically, you know, she's my stepsister. Um, she's probably built very similar to my wife um, who, you know, is a 10 out of 10 for me. Right. Um, but when she right. was a kid, we used to call her Margie Moose, you know, and mm. just never thought that she was internalizing this um, in, in a negative way. And, and, you know, frankly, you know, my my um, dad and her mom divorced. So I've never actually had a conversation with her uh, since starting Eat the Form. But I'd love to know, you know, where... Uh, how that affected her, you know, um, I, I know she's a very athletic person. Um, and, you know, she does like roller derby right now. And I mean, she's, you know, I'm 49. So she's probably 44, 45, you know, so she's stayed active. Um, but, you know, when I think of my stepsister, I, I think of her as an athletic person. I think of her as a very capable person. Um, but I do think that you're right. I think that there are a lot of men that impress upon their insecurities and maybe their body images, right? Um, but they might be thinking that, you know, maybe they're, you know, trying to to hold you accountable some way. I think it's like this weird twisted thing. Do, do you know where I'm going with that? Totally, because I think in the end, you know, I'm a mother of three children. You don't want your kids to be made fun of, to be quote-unquote bullied for their weight or anything. So it's all well-meaning. It's not I, – I, I know as a 44-year-old person reflecting on that that it was never, ever mean-spirited. When it, I mean, I, I, I did get some comments from kids at school and elementary school and stuff. Those are mean-spirited. Um, but like not your, not your dad who loves you to death. And he, he grew up, you know, with a little like chubbier and whatever. And I think he probably experienced that. And you don't want that for your kid, but it just, it just came across so wrong. The other piece to this too, is I had a brother who's two years older than me and he was skinny as a rail. So once I started putting on some weight of eight, nine, 10, 11, those years, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, I had to ask. If I could have a banana or a snack, can Jeff could eat. He was he was allowed free rings in the kitchen. You know, like you get to eat whatever you want because you're skinny, but you aren't skinny, Wendy. So make sure you ask before you have a snack. And it can't be the chips, but maybe a banana. Like all this stuff started happening. You know, and and again, none of it was mean spirited. It was out of a fear, I think, because our society can be so mean to people who aren't the perfect. You know body size image whatever it is that they have in their head see i i would challenge that a little bit and just say that um society is represented in an individual way 
right? So your parents who, who like you're saying, were parenting you the way that they thought was best, but it was coming from this place that was not very enlightened, right? Um, and, and there was probably a lot of people that weren't very enlightened. Like I said, I mean, you know, this is, you know, at the time where as a culture, you know, we're changing and we're not doing physical jobs as much and we're not, you know, doing all these different things. And, but even in that scenario, this idea that's sort of put out there right now where you can be beautiful now and, and, and body acceptance movement and understanding that there's, you know, certain body types and things of this nature. I think people put that off on like advertising and media and, and stuff like this. And I challenge that because we often have the ability to um, invite that in our world or keep it out of our world. Right. And I think that on, mm -hmm. a, on an acute level, your parents might have been trying to help. I mean, like my parents, you know, I mean, if you talk to my dad today, you know, he would talk about how bad it is. Right. But, you know, I used to get spanked with a belt. Right. And mm -hmm. and my dad would come home from work and he'd have a bad day at work and it got brutal, you know, and it started off yeah. what he probably thought of as caring. Um, but he, you know, he would admit now that it got taken too far sometimes right and mm, so yeah. um so yeah I, I i but but you're right you know e even still the kids are going to always look at you know finding the weakness um in someone mm. and then using that against them and so so i can definitely see that piece so talk to me about the school piece like how you know at what point did you feel like, for instance, in elementary school, did you feel pretty? Did you feel attractive? Did you, were you, um, athletic? Uh, talk to me a little bit about that story. Okay. So in elementary school, I don't think I ever felt pretty. I, I, I did as I got older. Um, but I, I mentioned this in my post too. I, 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 I love people. I love talking with people. I love joking with people. I have lots of friends. I've always had lots of friends and, and a lot of people around me. And um, so even in elementary school, I had great friends. Like one of my friends, Ben Kristen, is still my best friend today. She's, you know, another love of my life, past my husband and my family. And so I just had great friends, and that was great. And they were boys and they were girls. And that was never a problem. Um, the only thing, I, I, I did feel different because... I'm a little, little bit younger than you, but I, and I don't know, we're in different parts, but like Jordash jeans were really popular when I was a kid and I couldn't fit into Jordash jeans. All my friends could fit into them, but my mother, my mother would have bought them for me, even though they were quote unquote expensive or whatever, but I just couldn't fit in them. So I always, I always felt differently then. Uh, I did play softball as a, as a, as a elementary school person. And then I became very athletic um, in junior high school and high school field hockey was my thing. Like I was, it was my entire life. I went to field hockey camps. I, you know, it, it was everything to me. Um, but by that time I had lost some weight. I, I think, I think it's hard too on both boys and girls and when they go through puberty, right? You go through middle school and there's just so much freaking crap going on with your body. And for some people, especially girls, you're getting fat 
uh, in places where you're supposed to get fat. You're getting some on your hips, you're getting some on your thighs, you're getting some uh, in your breast, and it's uncomfortable. And I and I that's when I felt like, okay, I'm I'm getting really big here, and I'm very uncomfortable with this. And I talked to my mother about it, and she was on Weight Watchers at that point. Like I said, she had been on and off Weight Watchers. I don't know how many times by this by this year, you know, when I was in seventh grade. And so I started not going to meetings. My mother just had all the materials and she would just make me the stuff back then, Weight Watchers. It was cottage cheese and pineapple. It was a piece of cheese on toast, you know, it was all these things. And she would just make all my food for me. And so from the spring of seventh grade um, until I went back to school the first day of eighth grade, I lost 40 pounds. That's a lot of weight, you know, which you just lose over what is that, maybe five months or something like that. Yeah. And when I walked into eighth grade, when I say, where I had always had friends, but no boys interested in me, I all of a sudden was turning heads. The boys were calling me. Back then there was no social media. It was, you know, you write a note where you call somebody. Um, notes, people calling me. Everybody wanted to go out with me. I was getting all these looks. And I have to tell you, it was uncomfortable. I didn't know how to deal with that kind of attention. It was, it was it was really um, mind-boggling, you know, being that age and having that happen, being kind of invisible. Again, not unhappy, had friends and everything, to being looked at in a sexual way, I guess. I don't know if it's sexual, but attracted to me. No, I mean, you, I, you know? I I definitely know exactly what you mean. And, you know, the the one thing that, that stood out when you made your post was my wife was like, you've got to talk to this person. Um, and so it's interesting. So let, I just want to back up for just a second, but I want to yep. definitely delve into um, being sexualized early, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what was your weight once your mother, you know, had you kind of doing this, this slim down version of Weight Watchers? Yeah, so I remember when I asked her to help me, I had stepped on the scale in my parents' bathroom because my dad weighed himself every day, so that, and I weighed 159 pounds. And I, I guess I probably was maybe at the height I am now. So if I'm, not, I'm five five now, so maybe I was five three or five four. I don't know kind of when I stopped growing exactly, um, but I was 160 pounds basically, right, in, in seventh grade, and. Um, so I got down to 119. I walked into the first day of eighth grade and I was 119. Is that right? Yeah. It was 40 pounds, 29, 39, 40. Yeah. 159 to 119. Um, so I basically went from, I don't know what size I would have been. I think I probably would have been, I don't know, 14, 16, something like that as a seventh grader. And I walked into eighth grade wearing all sixes, um, consistently you know but it sounds it sounds like you walked away with the impression that hey as i get smaller you know i get a little bit more attention from the opposite sex is that close to correct it's yes that i said this over the years so many times that i don't think i i understand i don't think my psyche kind of wrapped around that as much as I did years later reflecting on how hard that time in my life was. But yeah, I learned a very hard lesson very quickly. Like the skinnier and prettier you are, the better. So I then spent my entire high school and college career, you know, not careers, but uh, years, really prioritizing that to the 
point of hurting myself, truly, you know, um, because yeah. it's absolutely terrifying to, to think, holy crap, what if I go back to being the invisible person? Like, that's, it's, it's terrifying. It's not even a little uncomfortable, scary. It is terrifying. When I say my heart would race in bed at night if my weight had gone up a pound or two. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, this is like, as someone with two teenage daughters, I, I, I hate to say this every single episode, uh, it, it really is disturbing to see, you know, how these kids think about, you know, and luckily my, my daughters um, are around some good influences, but the kids that they're hanging around with, definitely are thinking about their weight and and you know it's a it's a big concern so uh i want to i want to delve into a little bit of the idea of you know being sexualized but then um you know you can be as frank or not frank as you would like that's perfectly fine with me um but how long would you say that you were 119 and how difficult was it to stay there or did you basically start to gain weight and we're just like, yeah, ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. No, my body, again, being five, five, which is not tall. I'm just post, you know, you get a lot of people that say, oh, I'm tall. And I'm like, well, I'm not really even that tall, but I'm wide shouldered. I, I tried three hip, 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 hips and my hips are a little wider now, but I never had, I was always like, I have a big head. Like I'm just, a bigger person. My body, when I was 119, I actually looked like a bobblehead doll. I look at pictures of me, like when I went to the prom with my husband, I'm like, I literally look ridiculous. My head looks ridiculous on my body because I was trying so hard to get skinny for a frame that really doesn't want to be that size. Um, so yeah, I remember I went to field hockey camp after eighth grade in the summer. I was there for a full week and you kind of have to eat the food that's there because that's what they give you. And I came back and I remember, oh my God, like I had gained like not two pounds, like maybe four pounds or something like that, enough to scare the ever living Jesus out of me. Like, and, and, and then it was all, you know, again, it was before social media, before the internet, it's just women's magazines that you can rely on, right? The things that you can buy in the grocery store, your mother's going to bring home. And so everything I could get my hands on. I would read, and there's some, there was some crazy ass stuff. I'm sorry, there was some crazy stuff out there back then about how to stay skinny. And I think there still is, and it's probably even worse on the internet. I think there's websites that teach you how to have eating disorders and stuff. And um, I was just trying, I was trying everything. It just, it really got like sugar free candy, uh, chocolate that would make you have diarrhea. Like I was, it was awful. It was like I was trying all these things that I would read about, and it just, cascaded it just uh at first it was eating less and eating less and eating less and then it was okay that's not really working anymore I'm going to now exercise I became a runner in high school I started to run around the track um and run just a mile and then it was I was up to two miles I got to a point where I would sometimes run six to ten miles in a day to basically earn my food I, and I've heard you talk about that on podcast before you know this idea that to earn the food and that's what I would do except the food I was quote-unquote earning was like an apple a diet coke you know like it wasn't it wasn't yeah. real food it wasn't nourishment I feel sad for my body the stuff that I've done to it because like I had to have a root canal a few years back and she was like 
you have like a lot of problems with like your bone and your jaw over here. And I was like, well, would that have something to do with when I was developing, I basically had eating disorders. And she's like, oh yeah, I could. And I'm just sad for myself. You know, I'm sad for that 14, 15, 16 year old girl. Um, and eventually, and I wrote this about, and I'm not embarrassed to talk about this at all. I talk to people about it all the time, but I eventually fell into bulimia for a good solid year because I wasn't eating anything. I was exercising. I was still all conference field hockey. Like I, I was still <laughs> trying so hard to be good at the sport I loved and not giving my body any fuel to do that. And so obviously I was freaking hungry. And so I would binge. That's when my binging started. And I was so guilty about that. So I learned how to become bulimic. And I had bulimia for a full year until I asked my mother to help me. And she brought me to the doctor. And I was able to kind of crawl out of that. Um, yeah, it just was a really sad do you remember? Do you remember what your weight was at that time, like throughout high school? I really don't. I know that by the time I was in college, and in college I was wearing a size 10, um, I was a solid 150 all the time. Like, you know, I every single day I step on the scale would say 150, which I also think about sometimes you, you talk on the podcast about it's actually healthy for your weight to go up and down a little bit. My weight was 150 all the time, and I would I was a big runner in college. Uh, I went to the University of Connecticut, and it has huge work, you know, cow town up here, and huge hills, and I would do these crazy runs with all these hills and everything, um, and I basically stayed at 150. So over high school, I basically went from 120 to 150, even doing all those crazy things, So that's where my body wants, it, it's not ever going to be less than 150, 160. Yeah, so so just to summarize that piece, right? You felt like you were working against type, right? That your type was, that's that's what I think was made the biggest impression on everybody that read your story was that you had learned who you are and looked at your grandmother and father and, and, you know, all these people and said, well, okay, maybe they were supposed to be this, and maybe they could have been this, and so I'm going to sort of move into this area. So in terms of, um, and, and I'm, I, I'm not going to really delve into the, the sexualized piece, but, but I think there is something that's interesting to it that we, you know, I've heard, um, and, and ultimately when you have females that you know get to a point where you know their weight's a little bit more breasts are a little bit bigger butts a little bit bigger they'll start to get sexual attention right and Mm -hmm. that will lead them in a path where they might be a little bit more sexually active early on right and whether or not you know, that is a thing or not, I think ultimately the earlier you are sexualized, the earlier you're an adult, right? And you, right. you sort of yeah. lose the, the um, childish nature of that whole thing. So talk to us a little bit about the recovery from the bulimia. How did that work? <laughs> you know, honestly, I keep talking about everything I listen to 
uh, about your podcast. Um, oh, shoot, I forgot where I was going to go with that. Oh, bulimia. Well, let me back up. Um, I, oh, I know that you always talk about how people who have dieting histories are actually some of the most motivated um, type A kind of, like they really follow these programs. And they're, yeah, they, they, have the mo- they have the most willpower, right? Right. Because right. because if you don't have to deny yourself anything, you don't have to build that willpower. And so we tend to focus on the, you know, not focus on the nine times that you denied yourself, but you focus on the tenth time that you indulged, right? Right. Um, right. So and you, and sorry. You focus on that. Yeah. So I guess what I was going to say is. So I, I, I had an episode, I was in the bathroom, and I came out, and my mom was in the kitchen, and I just started crying. I knew I didn't want to be doing it. I knew that it messed up your cheeks. I knew that it was messing up my throat. I knew that, I knew I, I was, I, I was fighting my body, and I didn't really want to be fighting my body. I just didn't know what else to do. And so I cried to my mother, and my mother, oh my poor mother, she, she had no idea that I had been doing this for literally a full year. It was my entire senior year in high school. And this was like in the spring, so it's probably May of my senior year. And so she's like, well, we're going to go see the doctor. And um, it's funny, I look at my, I've actually looked at my medical records since I've changed doctors a few times over my adult life. And the notes from that doctor say, you know, came in for a bulimia eating disorder. We talked about it. She said she's okay and not going to continue doing that. So that's it. That was all, that was all the quote-unquote help I got. Yeah. It literally was, it was literally my will to not abuse myself anymore that helped me climb out of that. And that is pretty rare because this is a really, it's a really scary sickness. I mean, there's people that do this for years and years and years and years and can't get out of it. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, some of what you were saying about how magazines back in the day, you know, and, and the messages that you were receiving, you're right. I mean, kids have Google available to them today, you know, and um, that makes things uh, a lot more difficult. So um, one of the things that you touched on earlier, and I think it's interesting, it's almost to the point of denial when when I say this, Um but the average female is 5'3", 168. And so what that means is, is that you're 5'9", you know, it's like 192 or, or you know, it, it, it goes up, right? 5'5", five, five, you yeah. know, it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 180. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even in that, you know, body type matters, right? Because like you said you know, your genetic profile is going to gonna differ. And people say, well, you know, who wants to be average? Well, I mean, average does tell a story, right? And it does right. tell the general direction. And I think if a lot of people looked at themselves and go, hey, you know what? I'm average or I'm below yeah. average. But, what, but it's this ideal that, you know... Five five one nineteen, right? That people yeah. are striving for when the average is much higher than that, 
right? So there's a lot of people that are having a lot more success than, than they're thinking. And then what ends up happening is they start to diet. And as you diet, I mean, the one predictor of dieting success is have you dieted before? And then people go, well, yeah, I've been dieting since I was 12. Well, yeah, then that's the problem, right? And so what often will happen is as you're compromising your metabolism along the way, any time you start to add food that is not regulated in a good way, you're going to kind of... Like the best way to say it would be, let's say that you were you had dieted to stay down at 119. And then, you know, let's say that you compromised your metabolism by 20%. Now, if you start to, you know, normally eat without some level of understanding, you're going to have to restrict things. And so what ends up happening is everyone gets in restricted mode and they don't think about normalizing. And so if you've been 12 and you were starting, you know, like you said, in seventh grade at 119, in that process, you've compromised your metabolism. So it's possible, right, that you yeah. could have landed at 155, but you've landed a little bit higher as a result of dieting. Does oh, that make yeah. sense to you? Uh, yeah, completely. It is completely my truth. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, cause that's what we, we talk about, you know, dieting your way to obesity and, and things of this nature. So, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, uh, cause how old are you, Wendy? I'm 44. Okay. So let's bridge the gap between kind of the college, high school and, and 44. Talk to me about okay. what your dieting life was and when you know when did you go screw it i'm just going to be myself and then that wasn't near as good as as maybe you would like it to be um and and what was the process there okay so funny piece to all this uh, am i giving you feedback or is okay? uh, the audio hasn't been phenomenal but you know that's kind of is what it is it's okay all right um so the whole sexualized early piece is true. And I was going down a very bad path with a lot of guys. Not a lot. I was only a sophomore when I met my husband, but freshman year in high school, eighth grade, I dated a bunch of guys that treated me like garbage and I let them. And then I met Russ, my husband, um, when I was 15. We've been dating since I was 15. He was 17. He was a senior. Um, and the thing about my husband is that when he was a senior, he was, uh, captain of the soccer team, captain of the hockey team. He was voted nicest eyes. He was voted best looking. He was voted most athletic. He was homecoming king. I mean, he he was like this guy that when he was like, I really like you and want to go out with you, I was like, what? You know, like, again, low self-esteem from all these years of fighting myself. I kind of just couldn't, you know, wrap my mind around that. But he's a great guy. He's always been a great guy to me. And he's always thought I was beautiful. But it came with its own pressure that I've had to, that I put on myself. It's not anything he's ever put on me, but I kind of feel like I've got this gorgeous husband and like, I can't not let myself be this, the, you know, housewife, which is ridiculous. But again, that's how I feel. Um, so basically after I had my first son, 
um, and we had him in 2000. And um, that was my first structured diet. That was my first time walking through the doors of a Weight Watchers Center and, and joining and having some success, not a ton, but having, you know, getting down to a, again, a reasonable weight. They want me, if you go into any of these types of programs and they're looking at your height and your BMI or whatever, however the heck they figure all that stuff out, they always want me to be like at the highest 140. And I'm like, my body is never going to do that unless I'm, unless I'm killing myself again. Um, so I never got to the weight that they thought was acceptable, but to a decent weight. Um, but then as soon as you stop eating that way, you know, you, you've now gotten yourself down to probably 1,200 calories or so, and, and you stop eating that way, and you maybe eat 15 or 16 or 1,700 calories. If you don't have a program like me to perform where you can, you know, slowly back your weight out of that, and you don't know how to do that, obviously the weight comes back on. Well, actually, let me, let, me, let, me, let me stop you there because Weight Watchers actually does have a way to do it now, they just do it wrong, right? So when you right. said slowly, that's actually wrong. You have to almost do it as fast as possible, right? And okay. then there's some management on the back end. This is the part of Recomp that a lot of people don't get. And I know you're you're relatively new to Eat to Perform, and uh, it, it's kind of interesting to have this discussion because a lot of times people are like, oh my goodness, I'm getting all this food and it seems so fast and, you know, it just feels like I'm overeating. It's like, well, yeah, your, your body needs to adapt to this faster, not slower, because what ends up happening is the slower you go, the worse it is, right? And so now as we start to add in food, Sleep gets better, workouts get better, all these different things. Sometimes there's a little discomfort, right? And coaches will yeah. sort of move things back. But we're always trying, like I said earlier, you know, we're, we're creating this scenario that's really going to emphasize calorie average and getting calorie average up because that is the missing piece. And that's the part that Weight Watchers and these places have wrong. Right. And mm. and the reason why, you know, think about what who Weight Watchers is and think about all dieting systems. And, and you know, like I said, you know, in, in this process, we haven't really gotten to the part of any things that you've learned yet. But I'm sure that some of those things will come, um, though, actually, with the field hockey, you kind of knew that, you know, the more active you you were right, that. You, you could maybe eat a little bit more flexibly. Like when you said that you were up four pounds, um, eating a little bit more flexibly field hockey, that seemed like a totally reasonable thing to me, right? Oh, um, probably, yeah. But, as a 44-year-old now. But <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but uh, you know, when you were a kid at that point, just trying to manage things, it probably seemed more difficult and probably never really occurred to you at that point that you should naturally be growing a little bit higher. I'm not sure. So there's uh, on Wednesdays here uh, near my house, there's sirens that go off as kind of this warning. And there's always a little something. So hopefully people aren't picking that up. But uh, no, I can't hear it. But that is in the background. So talk, talk to me. I mean, I don't want to really worry about this too much. But I, I there there's some things that, that you talked about, like the, the sexualized thing. Um, like the rules that I had with my wife came from like some jerks, 
right? That treated her yeah. poorly. And she was like, I'm not going to accept that from you because that's why I got rid of those guys. Right. And so that yeah. sort of shaped who I was, but I'm interested from your husband's perspective. Like what was he saying when you started going down this dieting path and going to Weight Watchers meetings and stuff like this? Well, he, he just always feels like bad for me about it. He's just always like, I, you know, he is so, when I tell you how excited I am about this eat to perform because it makes so much sense to me and I had my 2,300 calorie, which probably seems really low to some people, but for me, so high, three, over 300 carbs yesterday on my high day. And I wake up this morning and I'm still weight stable. I'm like, this is freaking amazing. That's what I said to my husband. So he's excited for me because he's like, I just want you to be happy and I want you to find what works for you. The other thing about Russ is that he's always been a super athletic guy and and he's, I think maybe now he wears a 34 waist and he was like a 32, you know, maybe in college. But look, he doesn't, he's never had to worry about his weight. And so it's just foreign to him. And he just, he just hates it for me. I guess that's basically what it is. And, and yet he's always supportive. I always feel bad for women that say like, my husband isn't supportive and says stuff to me and, or brings in junk food into the house. Like Russ will just be like, whatever you need from me, you get, you know, but it's hard for him to understand too, as someone who grew up with just zero body image problems, body weight problems. Um, but it is, you know, it's just hard for him. But it is interesting to me because your story sounds like my story with my wife, right? I I have had a love affair with my wife since I was eighteen, nineteen years old, right? And, um, I've adored every single version of her. Now, what's interesting is that, um, my wife really did not have the thoughts that you had, you know, she, she was naturally like you, right? And she's always been naturally like you. I mean, I, I, I remember one part, you know, like, I, I don't even remember it. I, I, I see it in pictures now, um, where her weight got up a, a little bit more, but in general, she's she's always been kind of the same person, really similar to the way that you describe yourself, um, but not really with the, um, you, you know, the 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 background. There there wasn't, you know, I think her sisters maybe had dieted a little bit. Uh, you know, her family now, you know, they're. It, it's funny. It's funny to think how big of a deal Eat to Perform is and how few people within my own family do it because they think mm. that we're all like monster athletes and stuff like this. But, uh, yeah. but I love that love story aspect. I mean, like, like I think there's so, so many women out there that they put a lot of pressure on. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of lot of guys that are bad dudes, right? And they don't yeah. think about what they say. And I'm sure I've said one or two insensitive things. But in general, you know, I, I have two daughters. I have a wife. Um, and I adore, you know, my wife. I mean, and, and one of the biggest gifts that we give to our children is the fact that I love her you know, as she is, I do not say yeah. things that 
could be misinterpreted by my daughters. And it sounds like that's with your husband, right? That he's just a good dude, you know, and he gets it. And, and I think that if more women could internalize that their husbands love them, right? I mean, the way that they looked at them, it's hard because you don't want people's body image to be positively affected by, you know, someone, someone else's outside opinion, but how does it not? Right. Like you're yeah. you're I mean, talk to me a little bit about the differences between your husband and your father and how those have have made an impression on you. Yeah. So so I, I always say to my father that the best gift that he's ever given my brother and I is loving my mother. They've been together since high school. They're also high school sweethearts and they have been married since 1969. And they they're they know they've been in it for the long haul. So he's always treated my mother really it's she's she's very well loved um i think though that like i'll 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 even try to have conversations with my mom actually not anymore but like maybe when i was really working through a lot of this stuff like this mentally like about my upbringing and all these things that have happened i would say to my mom things like you know it was really hard on me when dad would say things negatively about his body or about how, you know, when do you just have to go burn off the fat? And, you know, like if I would be like, oh, I want to lose a few pounds. And, you know, I think being his daughter is just a very different role from being his wife. My mom was kind of always like, oh, your dad's just like that. It's no big deal. Where I was growing up and learning how to think about my body, talk about my body, feel about my body. And I was hearing and seeing all these really negative things that are, you know, he was never kind to his body. He was never kind to himself. And, you know, I, that's, like I said, that's where I got all my issues from. So that's a very, this is a different role, I think, than being married to Russ. Although there is, there is a theory out there in psychology that I read about that says you marry someone to heal the things that went wrong in your life growing up. And that's just one theory, whether that's true or not. But I, when I say I've married the most loving, kindest, most adoring guy I could have ever gotten, I always wonder, like, did I end up with him subconsciously and consciously because he is different? You know, he does play this different part in my role in my life than my dad did. Um, he's been very healing. I've, I've said to him many times, I really had such low self-esteem that I could have really ended up with someone that treated me really poorly. So I'm really lucky that that's not what happened to me. I don't know about that. I kind of think you you probably trained, if you're a little bit like my wife and you do sound like you are, you probably trained him a little bit too. You knew who you didn't want, right? And so you ended up with, with this guy. And I think the other thing too, you know, there, there was someone who talked, uh, she was on staff and she talked about this in one of the podcasts about how she was in kind of this abusive relationship and this guy that would talk about women that he was attracted to that didn't look like her. And um, then she talked about how much her current husband loves her and how, you know, he makes her feel sexy and things like that. And I said, yeah, you know what's interesting is that the other guy, you know, 
was always focused on what he didn't have. And your new person, your your husband, the person that you've had three kids with and stuff like this, he was looking for exactly you, right? On a scale mm -hmm. of one to 10, you were a 10 in his eyes, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so interesting because you, you talk about the homecoming king and all this other type of stuff. That dude was looking for you. Right. He wasn't he looking for anybody else. And I think there's so many people that spend a lot of time, you know, with people that don't care for them the way that your husband obviously cares for you. And look, we've all got problems. We've all got things that we're working through and stuff like this. The last thing you want to do is surround yourself with unsupported people. I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit for how you chose in that scenario, right? And some of the leaps mm -hmm. that that you made. So obviously you you landed with Eat to Perform um, we're, we're, so talk to me a little bit about exercise, right? Um, and then we'll, we'll end on some, some positive things that you figured out along the way, and then we'll shut it down after that. But okay. in terms of exercise, what do you do? So I love weightlifting. And, and even before I, even before I found you to perform, I love weightlifting because honestly, I'm strong and I'm built for it. And I am not a cardio hater. I was a she ran the Vermont Marathon um, in 97, the year that my husband and I got married. Um, I love running. If I could run and not have hip soreness the next day, I still would. I, I, I don't think I'd run marathons anymore, but I certainly would run a few miles. I always felt that great endorphin rush and everything from running. Um, I walk. I get my 10,000 steps every day, and most days that means I have to actually take a dedicated walk. Um, and three times a week, I try to lift. And so, so so here's a little something funny. We had our, our first son 17 years ago, then we have a 14-year-old. But I also have a two-year-old. <laughs> what can I really do like each other so darn much that I got pregnant at 40, um, even with uh, a very rare, reliable form of birth control? So I have a two-year-old, and he kind of threw a little bit of a, loop, uh, uh, a monkey wrench into going to my exercise, honestly. Um, I've just gotten back to weightlifting probably like the last four or five months. Um, he's, he's in a little toddler program in the morning. I have to get myself to the gym. I kind of dedicate some time to myself, so that's what I do. Um, and I love it. And I, I actually just hired a trainer because all the weightlifting I've done has been self-taught. It's been videos and, and things I've read. And I just want some help with, like, form on deadlifts and on and things that I'm like, I'm not sure I'm doing this right. So um, I'm working with a trainer now, and she's helping me get some booty. So I got a, a good size butt, but it's because I'm wide. I want, like, that nice round butt and shoulder. I've always tried to keep my shoulders small, so I've never really worked on them, but I'm kind of embracing the wide shoulders. I'm like, I want, some nice, I want that nice little round bump on my shoulder. So she's working with me on those things, um, and that's kind of the balance that I've got in my life right now. So talk to me about some things that, that would have been positive that you figured out along the way. Um, there's so much positive, actually. I, I, I have figured out that you do need to fuel your body. And, and it's not just calories. The other thing about each 
one is the macros, like giving yourself plenty of protein so your body can rebuild itself and uh, giving yourself lots of carbs, you're so light, <laughs> like you don't know this, but you're so light, like it just helps you sleep well at night, it, it keeps you interested in stuff, <laughs> it like, makes you feel happy, it gives you energy for your workouts. Um, I've definitely done the low-carb thing more than once. I've done self-peace, I've done Atkins, I've done all those things. And you just don't feel good. I, at, at least for my personal experience, you just don't feel good. Um, so learning to feel yourself and being being so freed of the guilt of that. I used to be the type of person that every single time I put anything in my mouth, I felt guilty. I felt shame. You know, like I shouldn't need to have to eat, even though I hadn't eaten any, however many hours and I saw it or whatever. Um... I think also getting to this point of being able to look in the mirror and think, I really do look fine. I look good. You know, I, I, I like the way I look. I like my body. Is everything perfect? Or am I just being perfect? I'm bad now. I've got three kids for goodness sake. But now, do you I think really, that really truly? <laughs> do you think that the um, some of that is is weightlifting a little bit? Like I think yeah. that. I think that, you know, the the act of weightlifting and, and, and it's, it's, look, runners, runners, you got to chill out. Just because somebody says that they lift weights doesn't mean they're anti-running, right? Like I used to do a lot of 20-mile runs and things of this nature when I was also weightlifting. It seems like it's almost like a Sharks and Jets thing whenever you talk about one way or the other. But, you know, being able to run 20 miles was empowering for me, but it's not the same thing as being able to deadlift 500 pounds, right? And so, like, for you, the weightlifting, you know, kind of mentally does change. And especially, you might not be here yet. You're actually probably farther along than a lot, a lot of people. What a lot of people don't realize is that when your, if you look back to when you were a teenager and you went through a growth cycle, right? You were sort of fighting your growth cycle, right? You were probably supposed to be 150, 165, you know, the whole way, but you fought it. Um, and when you're weightlifting, you're trying to create a growth cycle, right? That's ultimately what mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're trying to build more lean mass and things of that nature. And so naturally, your weight should gravitate in a direction that's a little bit more positive. And so that in Recomp, we're fighting against that a little bit, but sometimes we will encourage people like, hey, look, your body might actually want a little bit more here so you can see growth. And what we'll often see is, of course, that you know people will start putting on lean mass in that, in that instance. They will start, you know, leaning out in a big way you always see that in the the pictures um so you're feeling strong you're looking in the mirror feeling really confident um what other things would you say that have contributed to you know i, I mean obviously the fact that the fact that you have a child and uh yeah there's there's clearly some some interest there that 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 generated that child. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He's here. And uh, yeah, he was quite the surprise. Um, like I said, we was 17 and 14 and um, 
yeah. So he's, he's, we call him bonus baby. Uh, he's a good little guy. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I feel excited about life and about my future where I feel like when you're fighting yourself every day, you wake up kind of freaking exhausted with it. You know, it's, yeah. it's, you're not happy. You're not a happy person just because maybe you're a size, whatever that ideal size is for you, six, eight, four, whatever it is. You're not necessarily happy or exhausted by it. And uh, I like the way my clothes fit right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for some recomp. I always, so here's another thing I just got, I just went to all my doctor's appointments. Everything's perfect. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not light on the scale. I don't get on the scale and weigh uh, a real light amount of weight. I'm, I'm sturdy. Everything's perfect. You know what I mean? Like sugar and blood pressure and resting heart rate, all that kind of stuff, the pulse and all that. And she's just like, you're so healthy. I'm like, I know. Thank you. And that is something to be really excited about. And every year that I go to the doctor now that I'm in my forties, I'm freaking excited when she tells me I'm healthy. So, uh, yeah, those things are just, I just feel really positive. Well, there's like, you know, there's like these arbitrary measurements that people use. And obviously, you know, um, weight is one of them. And more often than not, I mean, my wife has always been healthy. Um, and, you know, I would say that most doctors would would think that she could lose weight. But like you, she's not built that way. She's just... She's just a farm girl from Minnesota. That's just the way it was, right? That's the that's how things worked out. But I think the other thing that 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 people aren't totally honest about, that if they were a little bit more honest with themselves, they're not about that life. I mean, like I walked into the gym the other day, and there's this guy, and I mean he's like Adonis, right? I mean, he's just Jack. He's a young kid, you know, he's like 25, yeah. 26. You know, he's got nothing going, you know, he's probably got a lot of time that he can spend in the gym, right? Um, that's that's the nice way to say it. And so yeah. he, you know, he's lathered up. He's clearly been there, committed kid, you know, um, but he'd probably been there for 30 to 45 minutes. I worked out for like two hours that day and he was still there, you know, after I left. I mean... People need to be realistic that, that you know, it, when you want to look like that kid does, first of all, it helps to be 26. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but also, it takes a lot of time and energy. And I think for the rest of us, it's not about abs. It's really more about living a comfortable, healthy life, right? And when you become Absolutely. so focused on a low weight and not on what really health looks like, Right. I mean, as I start to do this more and as we, you know, we really want to get more health indicators because I, I think that's going to help the social proof that when you're a fed human being and doing active things, you actually become healthier at any weight. Right. And that doesn't right. mean that we don't have goals. I have goals. You have goals. But it's the timeline that screws everybody, right? And they want to get there so fast. And so. Right. Okay. Anything that you wanted to say that you haven't said up to this point? Uh, no, not, uh, nothing profound. I just wanted to just return to something you just said a couple minutes ago about yeah. weightlifting and how it makes you feel. 
I don't know how many women in my life, people will say to me all the time, you look great. Like, you know, I, I've lost a lot of weight since the baby has been born. I mean, he's two and a half, but I was 40 pounds heavier than I am now when I was done nursing him. And, you know, you look great. And, you know, what are you doing? And I have friends that are doing like the craziest diets and losing their hair. And I mean, there's all sorts of bad stuff going on. And I'm like, honestly, uh, lift weights. It will make you feel empowered. It will make you feel strong. It'll make you feel happy. Like, I'm just like, you'll just freaking love it if you can just do it, you know? So I do think that, again, you don't have to just lift weights. You can do weights in yoga. You can do weights in running. You could do weights in biking. You can whatever, but bring the weights into your life. It'll make you so happy. See, I think you could say that in, in two words. Pursue more, right? And it, and whatever more is for you, pursue it, right? And, you know, I just think there's so many people that are exercising and doing stuff that they don't like. And anytime you do something you don't like, you're not going to stick with it. Wendy, I really appreciate your story and you sharing that with us. You were super honest. Um, Thank you. Yes, it was great chatting with you, and uh, we'll see you in the groups. Bye, everybody. Okay, thanks, Paul. All right, no Bye. problem.